just so y'all know, please, um, you can fast forward all of my episodes um, to about five minutes in just because that is my intro music. Um, since usually this is a video podcast, um, I have a countdown of five minutes. So please do if you need to.
Good morning, everybody. What's going on? Um, thank you for joining. Just if you're new to this, uh, my name is Eric Velasquez, and I'm interviewing the candidates for the city of San Antonio 2021 elections that are upcoming here uh, very shortly. So that's uh, early voting starts on April 19th, ends April 27th. Uh, and I believe the last date to register to vote is actually April 1st. And hopefully that's not an April Fool's joke, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I think it's, I think it's April 1st is the last day. So please, if you're not registered to vote, please do so. Um, and the election day is May 1st, actually. So, uh, <clears throat> please stay tuned for that. And, uh, before we start, I do want to remind everybody, this is an open forum. So anybody that, that would like to ask a question to the candidate, you can do so in the comments, uh, Instagram, I'm watching your comments as well, so please go on here and and, and ask a question if you'd like on the comments. Um, on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, if you actually want to actually jump into the conversation, you can do so uh, by actually jumping into the, the live stream as well. Um, so it's kind of like an open forum. Um, you can actually ask a comment directly to the candidate with, you know, personally. <laughs> so um, I'm going to post the link here in the chat box um, on Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. So please do so if uh, use that feature. So without further ado, let me go ahead and bring in our next guest. Hey, Chris, what's going on? What's up, Eric? How you doing? Good, good. And then uh, real quick, um, Instagram, make sh let me know if the audio is okay. Uh, just give me a thumbs up. Uh, what's going on, Cindy? How are you? Um, yeah, so just give me a thumbs up. Everything's okay with audio because, you know, it is kind of um, rigged <laughs> just to record the screen. So I don't have any other capability besides that right now for Instagram because uh, they make it really hard to to do these things together. So, um, but yeah, so go ahead, Chris. How are you? What's going on? Um, introduce yourself to everybody. How you doing? I'm Chris Dawkins. I'm the candidate for D2 City Council. And I'm excited to be here with you, Eric. I think we're going to have some really uh, great fun. Uh, it is also, I hate with heavy heart that uh, I just had a friend uh, from COVID, man, that uh, was a former NBA star that uh, I found out uh, went on to be with wow. the uh, basketball players in the sky. But, uh, you know, th this is going to allow me to uh, kind of uh, have a good day and uh and celebrate so i'm excited to be here definitely yeah and you know that's the whole part is is we want to be able to capture the true emotions right of, of the the candidates and and really bring a different light to it right so um but yeah let's have fun <laughs> so okay. and with that with that what okay let's let's have this debate who is and i'm not going to debate because I, I i really have you know, but who is the greatest player of the of the basketball world? Greatest of all time, in your opinion. The greatest of all time, <laughs> I would probably have to say LeBron. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> that's that's a different one. All right. Um, and you're talking about an all time, right? All time. I'd have to say I'd have to say all time. Mm, okay. Oh, can you give us a little insight on why? Yeah, I think he can play uh, all of the positions, whereas, uh, you know, uh, Michael Jordan was definitely the best competitor. Uh, and I'd even probably throw Kobe Bryant in there as well. Um, I'm a basketball fan. I've become more of a basketball fan 
since I moved to San Antonio. I am definitely 100% Spurs all the way. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I have just become a Spurs fan. But um, I think that because LeBron can play all of the positions, uh, he's a guy who likes to pass. Uh, there's just so many different things that he can do. Uh, each team that he's been on so far, and I what there's been three, and he's won championship NBA championships at all three of those teams. Now, the one thing I do not like about LeBron is uh, he's going to different teams. And Michael Jordan never had to go to any place. They came to him, and he built the dynasty where he was. And I would have liked to have seen LeBron kind of do the same thing. But, uh, you know, there's some controversy there, and uh, I'm sure some people are going to disagree with me and say Michael Jordan <laughs> or Kobe Bryant or uh, some in San Antonio are even going to say Tim Duncan. But, yeah. uh, you know, I like them all. I like them all, but I think LeBron is is the guy. Yeah, and and I know that I saw a video recently about, uh, and I know it was it was farther back, but um, they they had asked Tim Duncan, uh, you know, if he thought it was you know like the greatest, and he was just like, um, I don't really like him too much. <laughs> it was just like they're like, whoa, what you know? But but uh, uh, Jordan like always praised Tim Duncan though, and they're like, well, did he not know that he said this? Because you know, if he would have heard that. He probably would have taken that and been like, you know, be like, no, I don't like you, or <laughs> in a sense, you know what I mean. So, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, I think Duncan is definitely a favorite for me because of the way he carries himself. Uh, he knows who he is. He only wants to uh, play basketball. He really doesn't even want to be interviewed about basketball. He doesn't want to do anything that has to do with other than what kind of did the court. And when he's off court, he leaves what he had on the court. I love that about him. I love that about him. Yeah, well, and then a lot of the charitable things he's done for the city and for, and obviously for his home, his home, uh, is it, how, and I'm probably having a brain fart, is it home country, right? Because is it? Virgin Islands. Virgin Islands. That, well, that's, that's part of us. So, I mean, yeah. um, so, I mean, his home, con I, I don't know how to say home province, I guess <laughs> is what it would be called. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's done a lot of things, but he's always done it for not for his, his sake. And that, that's what I really enjoy about him. Cause he's, he's yeah. very much like not taking the credit for anything, but, but anyway, so, so thank you for answering those questions. So um, hey, I say one last thing, we'll talk yes. about it later, but uh, I'm hoping that uh, we might be able to put a building over here and, uh, uh, on the east side that uh, might either be named after Tim Duncan or Tim Duncan's mother. Uh, but we'll talk about that later. You sure you want? We can talk about it now. <laughs> well, um, you know. Okay, okay. We'll, we'll wait. We'll wait. Yeah, we'll wait. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, so, okay. So tell me about what what are some of the things that you would like to do your first item of businesses, first items of business that you would like to do if you do get elected into office? Um, you know, I've been asked that question and uh, I've pondered on it a lot. Don't really have a set pat answer. But what I'll say today is the there's two things that I would like to do right off the bat. And the first thing is to set the tone for what this administration is going to be like. When I talk about setting the tone, and I'm talking about people either uh, 
know that there's an issue with crime in our area or they have a misconception that crime is more rampant in District 2 than it might be in other places. Uh, and having said that, I want everyone to know once I take office that we are going to be about crime. And that's the first tone that I want to set. The second tone that I would like to set is that on Saturdays, uh, all of those who are candidates for District 2 right now, I would like to continue to keep them involved. And I would like to have some uh, uh, forums for the whole city. One of the ones would be for homelessness and let one of the other candidates host that because I want to keep them involved. We've got a great group of people who are running for D2 City Council. So, uh, of course, I think I'm the best qualified. And having said that, I still want to keep them involved. So to me, that is the best way to keep them involved. We talk about homelessness. Uh, I don't have an answer for homelessness, but I think we can have a city-wide discussion on that in District 2 and have it for the whole city, but have it in District 2. And each um, different Saturdays, we can hold that. And I think that brings highlight to District 2, says that we're excited or we're concerned, whatever it may be, the particular topic that we might have, and keep those people involved. So I think that's very important. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, a lot of the the the, the houseless population with the that issue, a lot of people are saying that it, it generally comes from lack of education, right? Um, well, there's a lot of different variables, right? A lot of different factors, but a, a big one is the, the education that we're not giving quality education um, to the kids. Right. And so at the end of the day, this, this cycle keeps happening. So what, um, what are some things that you would like to see done to kind of change that, that, that way, or, or some things that you would like to bridge, um, to kind of help combat the, the, the houselessness situation? Um, Eric, when I was a young kid, um, you know, if homelessness was there or houselessness was there, uh, I really didn't notice it that much. But today it seems to be everywhere. There's no city that I can go to where you don't see that. My feeling is, is that in every state you had mental institutions where people could go right now. They don't have that. And I truly believe that they turn those people out into the street. And we've got to be able to figure out a way to bridge that gap between those people who are uh, may have a mental disorder. They should not be in the street. And if that's the situation, we need to find them help. Um, I also have concern about some of those who are in the street. Are they really just hustling us or are they uh, are they really homeless? There are some I believe that are definitely homeless, but there are some I believe who's out there who's uh, uh, they got a scam going on. So we've got to be able to figure out uh, who's who really needs the help. We need to be able to get them the help, and 
we need to solve this problem. It's a problem in our whole society, all over America, and we just need to figure it out. I don't now, have the answer. Now, when you say scam, I mean, are you talking about panhandlers or because I yeah. mean, for the most part, the, the people that are that are like living in the tents underneath, I mean, I don't think they're really scamming anybody because I don't think anybody would want to live in that way. You know what I mean? So, so you're talking about like panhandlers specifically? Yeah, panhandlers specifically. Okay. okay. Um, you know, some are, some of those uh, consider themselves homeless. Uh, we had a guy in our area that uh, was like that. He got sick. His sister came and got him and took him to her house. He's living with her now. And, you know, the whole thing is, is kind of over. But, you know, the other guys out there, I ask about guys and girls. I ask about him and, you know, see how he's doing. And, you know, they keep in contact with him and different things like that. So, you know, it, it's just uh, I'm interested in helping those who really need help. If they're homeless uh, and they need help, I'm interested in those. Those who are just out there panhandling as their way of business, I'm not interested in that. Okay. Um, so what are some of the things that you would like to to fix? Um, obviously, Haven Hope for Hope, there's a lot of limitations that, that people don't want to even go there, right? Um, so is there something that you can see that could be a change from Haven for Hope? Um, or do you think Haven for Hope is kind of something that we need to stay away from? I don't. I think we need to expound upon it. Um, Eric, I, I must confess that, uh, you know, I love Haven for Hope. I love what this city has tried to do to uh, address that issue. I think it's one of the best in the country. Uh, but obviously, we we still did not hit the target, uh, even though we've got place there for people with their with their pets. Uh, they've got dental uh, uh, care that they can get there. There's all kind of things that they can do at Haven for Hope that I don't see in other places around the country. But even having done all of that, Eric, we still have missed the mark. Mm -hmm. So I would like to work with Haven for Hope continue to build upon what we have there, but figure out what else do we need to do to help the people who should be going there and should be staying there. Yeah. So is there um, something that you would like to see changed with the red tape that's happening with some of these uh, organizations that are trying to build these, I guess, compounds um, and I don't even want to say compounds, but they're like, uh, you know, they have tiny homes and they're rehabilitation sites uh, in the city. But there's a lot of red tape that's happening that they're not being able to go forward, uh, particularly usually because the citizens around that the area don't want that type of thing there. Um, but is there something that you would like to do or, or think we can do as a city council to remove some of the red tape to be able to go forward with some of these projects? Um, if red tape is a problem, then yes, I think that we need to do it. Uh, I don't have, as I said before, I don't have the answer for this, but I do believe that we find the people 
who can give us answers, give us solutions. Uh, again, we tried for a solution with Haven for Hope. And uh, I don't think we missed the mark a whole lot, but we did miss the mark. So that's why I say build upon that. And we shouldn't just throw that away or start something else or whatever. We've got to continue to keep grinding with those ideals, find out what doesn't work. And we may have to talk to some of those people and, and find out what it is that they want and why that's not appealing to them. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I, I just think that, you know, I'm not homelessness and, uh, those are not my things. You, you know, to me, being a council person means opening your ears and listening to what people have to say. And I want to listen to the neighbors. That's why I said if we have a forum in the whole city, I'm just a representative. Find out what the rest of the people around the city want to say. I want to give everybody a voice to be able to have a way to tell us who are in power what it is that we should be doing. When we think that we have all the answers, then we're not the person. Mm -hmm. We cannot do that. We've got to, there's two things I believe in. One is that we've got to listen to the people and we are a representative of the people. I want to be able to talk to people, find out what it is that they want, even if it's different than what it is that I personally want. I represent the people, not myself. Definitely. Um, so do you, do you feel like some of those things, like some of the things that, that D2 needs are not being addressed? Is, is that why you feel like there's a lot, so many candidates in District 2 that want to try to to make a change? I for District 2. To some challenges uh, at the council level in the past. Uh, the issues have been, in my opinion, in experience, uh, in maturity, and some people just not knowing how to be an administrator. So, uh, you know, we don't get to, to know the person beforehand as to how they might govern. I think what you're doing is, is very good, a very good service for the people to be able to see what type of person that you might be. But those have been the issues that we've really had. And it really makes it even more of an issue because of COVID, because we're not really getting a chance to see people. Hmm. We're doing a lot of Zooms, people are not participating. So to a certain degree, uh, which I was not the case, this is going to be a uh, popularity contest almost because we're not really getting to see the people. And that's kind of what it's been in district two before is that we're not, I don't think sometimes voting for the person who is best qualified because one of the qualifications that I think that I possess that I wanted to hone on first was being a president of my neighborhood organization. If you want to look at maybe how I would handle things, look at what I've done for the neighborhood and how I've worked with the neighbors who are around us. Sometimes if we ask those questions, we may not end up with the council people that we have had in the past because 
they need to not just jump into the race for the sake of jumping into the race. You've got to ask them, what do they know about neighborhoods? How can they help neighborhoods? Have they listened to their community in the past? Have they interfaced with departments within the city? There are a lot of things that we can find out from people who have worked within the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, and the biggest thing, the biggest frustration <clears throat> that I've seen is a lot of the, I guess, uh, a lot of the times when we talk about or people talk about politics or, or, or people running for office, it's how much money have they raised? And it, it's it's always been an issue right it's 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 kind of like what you were saying is a popularity contest well it's how much money have you raised and that's what makes you a viable candidate but that's not that's not how it should work <laughs> um, and, and i think we we had talked about this before is is you know why why is it always like that to where it's just about how much money you've raised and um not about what you've done uh for the community in the past and things like that so um, is it something that you would like to see also changed with maybe some of the campaign contributions and, and things like that to where we maybe put a, a cap on campaign contributions in total to where we can't raise so we, we can only raise so much money. Um, so that way we actually start having people really put in more of a groundwork than just advertisements and things like that. Yeah, and I've watched some of your um, other interviews, and uh, you've talked about um, what was the term? Uh, the the voting where you you oh. got yeah ranked choice voting. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, America has got some some issues that I think that that we should really look at. We know that voting has been an issue but also uh, the people that we've elected have done stuff to keep people from voting. So uh, I think when you look at San Antonio, I think uh, there's a lot of things that we're doing right. Uh, it's a partisan race, which I think is important. Um, and But we're spending a lot of money in these uh, runoff elections and different things like that. So your ranked choice voting might be a way to do that. The only problem is, is that to be able to do this, we'd have to have the state's permission to be able to allow us to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe so. If not, I mean, we might be able to to put it to a vote itself. But um, you know, I mean, because there's definitely several cities and 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 states that are starting to do ranked choice voting. But, um, and for any of anybody who, who doesn't know about the ranked choice voting, it's a very simple process. It's simply just like this where we have different rounds, but we are not voting once and then voting for a runoff. This is just your single vote ballot cast and you have your candidates. You can rank them in order by choice. One, two, three, four, five. And then if you're a first candidate, has the lowest percentage, then they get dropped off and then your votes get tallied for your second person, so on and so forth until there is a majority of the 50 plus one percentage, which that's what we have to do now anyway. Um, and so when we're talking about ranked choice or when we're talking about runoff elections, 
the city of San Antonio spends eight to ten million dollars, probably even more now, um, just to hold a runoff election, which has already, to begin with, a low percentage turnout. Um, so we're spending eight to ten million dollars just to have a runoff election. Um, think about that. We're doing that twice a year. Well, probably once a year we're, we're doing runoff elections, depending on what, what election we're having twice a year. Um, but for the most part, we're, we're constantly having runoff elections. That's $10 million every single time that we could be saving. Um, instead of doing, instead of doing something like that to runoff elections, we could do something like this to rank choice voting and we could just at least try it and see how it works. And it might not work, for every single city, but we can always just try and see how it works. Uh, how many but times would they have to vote, Eric? That went now? How many times would they have to vote? How many times? Just once. Just once. Okay. Just once. There's no runoff election. This is called an instant runoff. So as soon as somebody reaches that 50 plus one, because it, it automatically automatically tabulates the votes from your first candidate, second candidate, so on and so forth, until there is that 50 plus one. Um, and so it just goes in, in rounds until we have that 50 plus one majority. And that's what we have to do now anyway. Uh, but without having to do a runoff election. So this is basically called an instant runoff. And basically also you're not having that spoiler effect where you're like, well, there's only two candidates or whatever that, that are going to win people can actually vote their actual choice and then vote their second one as the the more quote-unquote viable name recognition candidate right um so if you want to do let's say chris for you and then b you could do somebody who is either the incumbent or somebody who has name recognition for the second one um so that way you feel like your vote isn't wasted and that's that's the whole point of ranked choice voting and some people don't like it some people do um it's just basically a newer way i mean obviously people don't like to do new things <laughs> sometimes but it is a new concept so definitely understand people's reservations but there, there's there's a possibility into this. And, and so I always like to just bring it up just because it's a different way of thinking and, and, and going forward. Um, and and we, obviously there's a lot of people that don't vote to begin with because they don't feel like their voice is being heard. So this is one way to, to hopefully change that. Obviously it would take, you know, a few years probably because you're having to, to teach people and let people know, Hey, this is the new type of voting and things like that. Um, just like with anything, like we have to education with, with how voting works. It's just like we have the education with how to do your, your paper ballot. And then it sends in electronically the new system that we have, um, you know, same premise. So, uh, but yeah, just, just, I like to have that conversation. I'd be willing to look at that. Uh, and if it's possible through, um, uh, the city we were able to do that i'd be willing to look at that and ask the state if uh you know we could be a pilot to to look at that over maybe two or three elections and see how it works and and see if it works for us yeah and, and it would basically have to come down i think to a petition anyway is pretty much so that that's where it would just like with anything you would have to start doing a petition um because you could do it just as a city because i think i know there's a fargo north dakota that is actually doing approval voting they're doing approval voting where there is no rank it's just you pick as many candidates as you want and basically 
whoever has the most votes wins. Um, so that's even simpler. <laughs> okay. uh, but they're, they're the only, they're a city. They're, the whole city, state hasn't adopted yeah. it, but just the city itself. So, you know, it's always a, a possibility. But um, yeah, okay. so uh, <clears throat> with that, what are some of the, what are some of the things that you would like to improve on from the current elected official? Um, some of the assets that we have in the uh, community, such as uh, the Wheatley Heights Sports Complex, uh, we asked for that. Now we've got it. Uh, I think it's a, uh, not utilized enough. We've got to figure out what's going to help it to be utilized more. Uh, I think we need more restrooms there. I think that we need shade there because San Antonio is very hot during the summer months. Just a little uh, bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So we, we, we need some shade there. So if it takes money for us to be able to make that, because I think the district as well as uh, uh, the city could probably make money from that, but it's got to be able to be used. So uh, use gas we have. Uh, one of the other things would be uh, we're spending close to $450,000 now for the D2 Senior Center. Uh, and we've at least been there a minimum of seven years. We could have built a Taj Mahal for uh, senior citizens uh, for that amount of money for the amount that we're renting. Everybody's heard the old adage, it's better to own than to rent but we're spending close to damn near a half a million dollars to uh, have a place for our senior citizens for 17,000 square feet of space. It's ridiculous. Mm. Wow. So here's some of the things too, is, is some of the, the companies that we have in, in, in some of the districts seem to not be, they're not paying their, I guess, they're not paying property taxes, um, I guess, and in, in usually because they're trying to either lure businesses in or, um, you know, trying to give them subsidies and things like that. So what are some things that you can kind of tell the people that you would like to do? Um, are you planning to make sure that some of these corporations or companies pay, pay property taxes? Um, because if you look at some of these reports on, on, on BCAD, it's some of these like hotels are not paying anything in property taxes. And it's basically the citizens are footing the bill for, for all these, these things. So um, what is, what's the direction you would like to see done with that? Um, Eric, that's a, uh, it's a good question. I think it's uh, a case by case basis. If we were to Amazon into San Antonio, uh, would you give them a tax abatement? For me, the answer would be yes, uh, because of the number of people that need jobs. Now, we've got to look at the situation that San Antonio is faced with on a very serious and legitimate way. Uh, some of the businesses don't want to relocate in San Antonio because they say we don't have an educated workforce. So we've got to be able to do things to make sure that, number one, we do have an educated workforce. We've got to educate the people who are working here to make sure that they I think that was a problem also with uh, with uh, uh, Toyota. They said, you know, even so, even though 
the person may not have graduated. They said, well, can they even just read the instructions? Uh, those are things that, that they wanted to make sure that, that we could have. So when you're talking about a business that can bring jobs to us, and we're the seventh largest city in America, and we've got a lot of people, we've got to make sure that we can continue to keep our people working. And that is the deciding factor for me, is whether or not we can make sure that we have jobs. I'm not going to give somebody a uh, tax abatement that can only bring us 50 jobs. That's that's not something that I would bring us 5,000 jobs or whatever. I would have to seriously look at that and say that that's something that we want to do. We've got more people who are going to be moving into San Antonio. Uh, we're kind of jammed right now with the businesses that we do have. So we do know that we've got to create more jobs for the people that are coming to San Antonio. And we've got to figure out how that's going to be. Uh, tax abatement is one thing that we put in our tool belt. And we've got to look at that. It's not for everybody. But it is something that we we have at our disposal to look at. But but here's the here's the problem though, and what you're saying though is is there's a lot of people coming from outside the this the the state or city that are coming over here for some of those jobs that are being built here. So it's not helping the direct citizens itself. So why keep giving money to some of these co companies or or abatements? when it's not directly helping the people here and they're just hiring from outside of the city or outside the district? Well, again, uh, if what you say would be true, if they're coming here and they're not having the jobs, the jobs aren't here for them and we're giving them to somebody else, then no, I would not be in agreement with that. That would be something I would be against. But if you do have uh, like say 3M out of Minnesota, if they were coming here, uh, there would be two things that would be happening. One is that they would be they would be bringing people with them, and the other thing is that they would have to hire people who are here. Uh, again, we'd have to look at it. I'm not going to give uh, tax abatements to uh, people who cannot produce jobs and taxes for us. That's the whole idea of being able to get them. So they have to be able to show us that they're going to be able to do that. Um, but, I produce, want to, but produce jobs for who, though? For the people of San Antonio. Like, for, okay. For the people of San Antonio. But do you if think that's happening now, though? Because, I mean, like, if you look at Amazon, you know, Amazon was going to build on I think Toyota did. They got a tax abatement, and I think they created jobs, and I would say that that has worked out rather well for us. Um, I would bring another company like uh, Toyota and give them a tax abatement, but I'm not going to give a hotel uh, a tax abatement for you know 50 to 100 jobs. Uh, I, I don't see that, and if I do, it might only be for two or three years, but again, what I want to have is something called a uh, community Congress and the community Congress is going to be made up of all of those people that are um, in district two neighborhood organizations, things that come up for the city. I'm going to ask them, what do you think? If they say go with it, then we go with it. 
If they say don't go with it, then I won't go with it. That's pretty much the way it's going to be. Again, it's not my idea that's important. It's what those people who I represent and what they think and whether it's important to them. If it's important to them, then it's important to me. And then that's how I vote because it's to them, the people who put me there. It's those people who I'm depending on to be able to put me back there. So I've got to do what it is that they want. If they say, give this people a, uh, a tax abatement, then I say yes. If they say no tax abatement, then I say no. Okay. There might be some issues that they may not understand. That's where I do come in to be able to help them to understand as to why we want to do it this particular way and why I think they should go with what the other council people are saying they would like to go with. But the ultimate decision is on those people at the neighborhood level. Good. Okay. Well, that that's like that's the kind of point that I wanted to to hear because it's it seems that a lot of people don't get the information of why things are happening. Um, so they see all these things and it's just like, well, what's going on? You know, kind of similar to with the rodeo where Bear County gave them what was it, seven hundred fifty thousand or two hundred fifty thousand? I can't remember what the amount was, but you know, because they couldn't hold the the rodeo right because of covid or the the carnival and things like that so um from, can we from, talk about uh, neighborhoods just for a second yes yes um i want you and the people to understand that there're going to be different organizations that i want to put together in groups the neighborhoods are going to be when i talked about i don't think i uh um at the very beginning, we talked about crime and we haven't talked about, you know, how I would do that, but it's going to come down to the neighborhood. Okay. Every neighborhood, first of all, they've got to decide that they want to be a neighborhood. There's some people that may not want to be a neighborhood. And if they don't want to be a neighborhood, I can't force them to be a neighborhood. And right now the city is having an issue with some of those neighborhoods that either don't want to be a neighborhood or don't want to list themselves as a neighborhood with the city. But before we can deal with anything, they've got to be a neighborhood. I want people to be able to work with their neighborhoods because I think I sent you something that talked about neighborhood engagement. Mm -hmm. There's people who are engaged, neighborhoods that are engaged, and neighborhoods that are not engaged. Those neighborhoods that are engaged, they've got people who, who want to come in and build buildings. They want to bring new businesses to them. They want to have the hotels. They want to have all the nice stuff. Those neighborhoods that aren't engaged are the ones where you have public housing. You have a lot of people with rental housing. You have a lot of large crime. And then you've got people moving away. You've got low-income housing. Those are disengaged neighborhoods. So the question that I ask people is, do you want to be an engaged neighborhood or a disengaged neighborhood? The choice is theirs. I represent them no matter which way they want to go. But I will help them if they want to be an engaged neighborhood. And that means everybody's got skin in the game. If you're over here in this neighborhood and you don't want to have a neighborhood involvement, you don't want to come to meetings, you don't want to do any of that, that's fine. But 
That's what I call a disengaged neighborhood. And disengaged neighborhoods are going to have some issues. And I can't help the issues that disengaged neighborhoods bring. Only the neighborhood can solve that. And I I just want to clarify, and you're talking about engagement as in just speaking up about certain issues and, and being engaged with the, with the city council to address some of the issues, because it's kind of like the whole, if you don't, if you don't participate, kind of like the whole, if you don't vote, you can't complain kind of thing. Is that what you're talking about? Um, it's, even, it's even more, more so than that. They can be a neighbor and be interested in their neighborhood and not vote. But I want them, if they see, uh, paper in their neighborhood, or if they come to their neighborhood and they say, this is what we want for our neighborhood, then I want to help them. If they want a building in their neighborhood, if they don't want uh, low-income housing, or if they don't want this and they don't want that, that's what I want to help them to do. Whatever it is they want for their neighborhood, I am going to represent them at the city level for what it is that they want in their neighborhood. But they've got to decide and tell what it is that they want. You cannot be just a passive person just passing through this life. There's something that you do have to have some engagement in. And I want them to have engagement in their neighborhood. Gotcha. Um, and now do you feel like D2 has been largely dis- disengaged um, is, is why it faces a lot of issues or yeah, because people don't understand uh, neighborhoods. I don't think council people have understood the neighborhood. They haven't empowered the neighborhoods to want to do these things and to make sure that whatever is done is done from a neighborhood level. It's like what tip O'Neill said, everything that happens is local. Mm -hmm. So when I begin to think that I can or know better for your neighborhood than what you know, then the neighborhood and the district is in trouble. Hmm. Or when you think that I can come into your neighborhood as being a council person and solve your problems for you, that that's, can't happen. Yeah. Um, and, and I just want to reiterate to, to people watching is, is I think, especially what you're, you're trying to say is um, if you look at some of the other areas in the city that have, um, you know, house uh, homeowners associations or uh, uh, um, neighborhood associations, they really bring a lot of issues to the city council um, city council person um, constantly on a constant basis. And they're always engaged with what's going on in their, in their area. Um, and if you don't have an established neighborhood association or, or just people that are just really engaged with your neighborhood itself, things aren't going to get done um, because the people who are making some of these decisions don't know what's going on because it is a large, because some of these city councils, uh, districts are large there's a lot of people in them um even the state rep there's some there's some city council districts that that are larger than some state rep uh you know districts so i think 
could, and correct me if I'm wrong, and you're just saying that we have to make sure that we have a lot of people that are really engaged in their community um, and knowing what's going on in their community itself to be able to improve this these areas because if not, we're going to continue being left behind. Is that correct? That's correct. Um, I tried to introduce this, uh, this concept when Ivy was uh, the D2 city council person. And she thought it was a great idea because what I didn't know at that time is she told me that um, the North side has a coalition that's very much like this. Mm -hmm. They all come together. There's like yeah. 9,000 or whatever of them. They said one thing that you think that the mayor is not going to want to do those things because that's 9,000 votes. He's running for office right now. He needs those people to know that he's been behind them. It's the same thing on the east side. Electing me says we're coming together. We're going to do for ourselves in District 2 what the city, what others in the city ask the city to do for them. But we're going to now take responsibility for what happens in District 2. So we want neighborhoods involved. Uh, we want individuals involved. We want our businesses involved. We want our churches involved. Everybody, for me, it's all hands on deck. Gotcha. Well, that's that's good, because I think that's just something that I heard recently that it never really clicked to me. And it, 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 it made sense when it's you have a lot of these north side neighborhoods that have these associations and and that community engagement but you know but on some of the other areas of the city they don't have that and you know they're not being represented properly because it's almost like well they're not taking the time to voice their concerns in masses so a lot of the times they do get left behind and that's it's unfortunate but in reality, that's that seems to be how everything is being run here uh, in the city. So, um, but thank you for answering that. So, if, if I could say one other thing, um, when we talk about crime, the first litmus test for me is to go to that. Well, first of all, I talked to um, Chief McManus, and I also talked to then District Attorney Nico LaHood, and I asked them. There was a little kid that got. Uh, shot at the Palms. It's no longer called that, but uh, he was shot and it concerned me a lot. And I asked them, I said, what about the neighborhood organizations? They told me two things. They said, one, there is no neighborhood organization there. And they said, Chris, where there is no neighborhood organization, we find that there is crime or more crime than there is in other areas. So that got me to thinking, Eric, the first litmus test is to have those people to form a neighborhood organization or for them first to say that they even want to deal with crime. Do they like crime or do they not like, I mean, do they like it or not like it? And if they don't like it and they don't want it there, then the first thing to me is they've got to form a neighborhood organization. Hmm. Once they form that neighborhood organization, 
I want to say to anybody who's got property in District 2, we're going to hold the property owner responsible. It's going to be controversial. It's going to be tough. But that's what, what it is that we're going to do. Because what we want to say is we want to send a message. And a lot of times grandma has got somebody, those grandkids living with her. And it's the grandkids that are causing all of the problems. But the grandma can't do hardly nothing about it with the grandkids. Well, now if we tell the grandkids that grandma's going to be held responsible or the person that owns the property is going to be held responsible, then that brings a different light to it. Because what's happening now is those people who are responsible at the address, they don't get any kind of, um, nothing happens to them. Crime is committed there. The police are called. They go to court. The court finds them and they're right back at the same house. I'm saying if you've got a neighborhood organization, the neighborhood organization can take either the landlord. We want the landlords to do um, background checks. And if the landlord has done a background check, he's pretty much uh, taking the uh, responsibility off of himself. But that grandma that might be living there or that drug dealer who might be living there, that neighborhood can then take them to JP court. When they take them to JP court and they're fined at JP court or they're found to be in violation, you're going to have that money is going to go back to that neighborhood. Hmm. It's the same concept that you have for um, um, asset forfeiture. We've got all of this happening in our community. The federal government says asset forfeiture is to go back to the neighborhoods. I've not seen any neighborhood that's got any kind of asset forfeiture. So that's how these neighborhoods are going to be able to rid themselves of crime because the committing the crime are going to say, we don't want to live in that neighborhood because it's too strenuous. And that's what we want. We want the people who want to live in the neighborhood, take care of the neighborhood, be responsible for the neighborhood, be engaged in the neighborhood. Those are the people who are not causing the crimes. And those are the people that we want. Those people who come there and leave or whatever, we want to get rid of those people. Okay. Now, I mean, do you think, though, at a point that's that's a little bit too much overreach from the city government, though? No, because it's the neighborhood who decides. The neighborhood does not even have to do this at all. It's all up to them. But when you've got little kids that are being shot and killed, I throw the question back to you. Is it really too much to save a life? If we can save these lives of these people that are out there, is it really too much? I don't think so. But it's not no. my call. It's back to the neighborhood. It's right, back but... to the neighborhood. If the neighborhood decides that that's what they want to do, it's like we talked about before. It's another tool in their tool belt. They can use it or they cannot use it. 
but it's up to them. But I hate to see little kids that become uh, pawns in this situation that the grownups are playing and they have no no um, idea that because they're just living where they're just trying to live their life. Mm-hmm. This is for them. This is to say, if their parents really want them to be safe, they can be safe. Take it someplace <laughs> else. Take it across yeah. town, but don't do it here. If you do it here, we're going to have a problem with it. And, 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 you know, some of the candidates have said that the, you know, a lot of the times that there's a reason why there's, there's, crime is because they don't have an outlet these kids don't have an outlet they don't have a place to go to because some of the either city resources are not being utilized correctly or um to their fullest potential so what do you say to to that issue i somewhat and we make things that are available for kids to do because the other things when we talk about engaged neighborhoods and we talk about you know the crime and the different things like that um we don't want that kid to graduate from school and then to say San Antonio has nothing to offer me. I'm going to live in Houston. I'm going to live in Austin. I'm going to live in Dallas. We don't want that. We want them to be able to have the opportunities here. So if the opportunities are here in the arts, if the opportunities are here in the trades, if the opportunities are here in schooling, whatever it might be, we want to make sure that those opportunities are here. We're going to make sure that those opportunities are available in District 2 for them as well. And you remember, Eric, I said, we're going to do for ourselves what others ask the city to do for them. So if we've got to create that ourselves, we will create that ourselves and make sure that those kids have those outlets. Mm-hmm. I took three teenage girls in high school and got them a contract with Warner Brothers Records. They wanted the same, just like some of these kids want to rap. So I said, let's take and make that uh, constructive. Then we started an organization called Midway, which is still going on now, although it's called Stars. And those kids could, those kids who wanted to be photographers, they took the pictures of my kids who had the uh, contract on Warner Brothers. Those kids who wanted to be promoters, they were going around to the different places to promote the different stuff. And we had the school involved in it because they were teaching these kids what to do. Every kid can't be a singer. But in the entertainment business, there was a semblance of almost every job that there is in the business. So we were able to help those kids to do those things and have their turn to learn how that was going to work. It was almost like junior achievement for the arts. Hmm. So it, it worked out. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Yeah. I, you know, a lot of the times that when we talk to the schools and uh, the, the school board candidates, it's trying to bring back some of those types of, of learning and education back to the, the school to where, you know, because not every not every kid's going to go to college, right? Um, not every kid's going to go want to go to the military. So, what else are we doing? You know, so um, hopefully, trying to set these kids up for for an advanced, um, for a better sure. life, right? <laughs> yeah. So, whatever it is that they want to do, we want to meet them where they are. Mm-hmm. Meet them where we are, where they are, and provide the opportunities for them. You know, because 
how many kids go away to college and take a major and then find out that they really don't like that major? <laughs> it's okay. almost like half probably or maybe right. more. <laughs> so we want them to learn that job while they're in school, uh, high school, just like high school's allowing them to take some college courses. Let's have some jobs and different things like that that they can learn to see what the job is really like. Right. So that when they go waiting their time in a curriculum that they find out, no, nah, I really don't want to do this. Yeah. Yeah. We want them to be valuable citizens and we want them to come back to San Antonio. And when you talk about schools, um, this uh, uh, there's a D2 center that we're talking about building. And that D2 center is um, we want to be able, we're helping East Central High School students who are swimmers. They're currently having to leave East Central and go all the way out to Palo Alto for swimming. We want to be able to keep that in, yes, that's it. The new, we call it a multi-generational center, but it's for, uh, we would have senior centers, the senior center in there as well. That's the pool, the competition pool that we would have for East Central and Judson. And the only reason why we would not have San Antonio ISD involved is because when we talked to them, they said they already have a pool across from Lanier High School. Yeah. This is going to have, look, a climbing wall for kids. There are, there are many people, we tried to get this through. We are raising $34 million, and then we're going to donate this building to the city of San Antonio. So San Antonio does not even have to pay for it. We're going to build it and donate it to the city of San Antonio. It's going to have a running track in it. It's going to have weight room and backboard, you know, a banquet room, a kid's room. Uh, there's going to be probably some practice rooms where those kids that we talked about that might want to do some of the arts, they can come there. The ideal is to be able to have young toddlers all the way up to senior citizens that can all come together in one building and have a building that has something for everybody, multi-generational. And we're hoping that maybe we can have somebody like Tim Duncan to give the naming rights for the pool because swimming is where he came from. So if he named that building or the pool after himself or his mom, I think that would be something very nice for the community. Definitely. And so if anybody has any, uh, <laughs> any, uh, you know, contacts with that, definitely do that. Um, so, I mean, so is this something that's going to, to happen um, like regardless of, of whether or not you, if you win the election or not? No. Um, we had been trying to do this for two years at uh, District 2. There's $20,000 that we need for a feasibility study. And we have not been able to get that $20,000 for the feasibility study through District 2. Now, I should say to you that there are many 
departments within the city that would like to see this happen. But the we've just had some challenges at District 2 in getting this done. The school system wants to do it. Um, several departments in the city, I think, would like to do it. But before they could even take the gift, the feasibility would have to be done to say, is it really something that the city needs and wants and is going to be a viable um, building for the city? And how do they run it? Those are the questions we don't have answers to. And the feasibility can be done. Brenham, Texas has something similar called the Bluebell Center. There's something we're working with uh, Texas A&M, and they told us about a $90 million place that does not have nearly the amount of things that we have it in, I think in Granbury, Texas. Mm -hmm. So we worked with a lot of people. This is something that has come from the community. The community has put this together. We were forming a nonprofit community development corporation called BEST, B-E-S-T, Bear East San Antonio, Texas, to be able to do this. Now, we don't know if Bear, I mean, if BEST is going to be able to do this or not, because some of the people that we've talked to said it might be better and more financially feasible to do this under a for-profit than do it under a non-profit. But Eric, when I talk about us doing for ourselves what others ask the city to do for them, it's using an organization like BEST to be able to look at housing, to look at training programs for our people that are coming in, to look at different corporations coming into District 2. We want to use this organization to be able to do the things that we need. Now, that's not to say we're not going to ask the city to do their share. But we're going to take some of the burden off of the city and do for ourselves what others ask the city to do for them. We're going to begin to do it ourselves. Hmm. So that's how this building got started. Gotcha. Now, I, I just want to ask, though, just because just in case if anybody is is, is wondering. So. Does with this, I mean, are you using this um, district two seat as a as a segue or as a vessel to incorporate this building into into this, or is this just something separate, completely? Uh, it's both. Uh, we're going to need city council to do this, and uh, it's private investors with thirty four million to invest in the building that East Central is going to benefit from. And we're going to donate that and give it to the city to run uh, based off of the, the numbers and the money that, that we've already, uh, the numbers that we've run that the city is already spending. Mm -hmm. So when they're spending a half a million dollars for 17,000 square feet of space, um, we see a hundred thousand square feet of space that can benefit three times as many people and allow that to be something in district two. We think that's viable. But again, this this came from the community. This isn't Chris Dawkins. This came from the community. 
there were several different um, organizations that came together that said, yes, we think this is viable and think this is something that we want to do. Lakeside, Foster Meadows, uh, Raposa Vita, Blue Rock Springs, Sutherland Hills, Stone Rock, I mean, uh, Stonegate, East Central, Judson. Gotcha. Okay. Human Services, Parks yeah. and Recreation, a lot of people. Gotcha. Okay. Me, yeah. It, it shouldn't take me to be able to get this done. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I just, cause you know, I mean, there, there are a lot of things that people, you know, get, they get worried about and you know, well, it's, it's, it's okay. Well, what special interests do you have and things like that. But I mean, if, if you've already talked to a lot of those neighborhoods and, and those organizations, I mean, from what you're saying, it seems like, like that's what the people want, but um, you know, it just, I think people get a little worried about, you know, special interests and things like that. So that that's why I, I had asked. Well, there's that. no, there's no really special interest in here. You're giving it to the city. Yeah. There's no special interest in here. The model for the project I had done before for the Ohio state university. And I'm taking that same model and using it for San Antonio. This could not be done for somebody private. We could not just do this. But the same question you ask is people are saying our kids don't have anything to do. Mm -hmm. How come the city hasn't made another auditorium? Justin and um, um, Cibolo area with uh, steel. They had put this to the voters several times. Voters said no. They didn't want to pay for it. So now we've got a way to be able to make it happen and for it to be done. We had a lawyer that we brought in who was uh, very versed in doing this, a new way to do business that the city has never done before. The city wanted to learn as well. And this was a good way for them to learn. Currently, right now, the Ohio State University, this is about, uh, I talked to another uh, developer, and he said, they're doing all of their buildings this way now. Hmm. It's more oh. streamlined. It's more streamlined than some of the other ways. That, uh, so as we move as a city into different areas, because Eric, I believe that San Antonio to be the gateway to Central and South America. We should be that gateway. And to do that, we want to partner with different people to whatever is going to make that happen. If we've got to have a bigger airport to make that happen, then let's make that happen. If we've got to have extra buildings or whatever, if we've got to have people from Washington to come here to help us to do that. But I believe San Antonio rightfully should be that place. Can can We're, you elaborate? Can you elaborate on the the gateway to Central and South America? Uh, mainly from a hub standpoint, we should have airlines that are always flying from San into uh, into uh, Panama into. Um, Mexico into Bolivia, 
whatever city is down there, this should be the gateway from North America to South America. And the two gateways I think right now to that are Houston and maybe um, uh, Florida, the same way like Florida is the gateway to the Caribbean. Mm. I got you. Okay. I just, I just see another way for the city to be able to monopolize off of our close proximity and our relationship with the Latino community to be able to make those things happen. I'm a firm believer that there is no way that San Antonio should not have a soccer team. To me, that's, <laughs> that's blasphemy. <laughs> not having a soccer team. I'm talking about an MLS soccer team. Yeah. We've got a soccer team through uh, Spurs sports and entertainment and mm -hmm. what they've done uh, up there at the Toyota. But, um, we should have a MLS soccer team. Hmm. And there's no way that you can tell me that we can't support it from individual ticket standpoint. But what they tell me is that we can't support it from a business standpoint. We don't have enough businesses here that can get behind it and support it. Hmm. I want to make that happen. San Antonio is not going to be a second rate city uh, for me. I want to make sure that if we're the seventh largest city, we're also a first rate, top rate city. Now, now, what do you say to the people that are against with trying to build more entities like the Alamo Dome, right? To where we had the Alamo Dome and then then we built the AT&T Center because, you know, um, it was either build that or we lose the Spurs. So what do you say to that to where people that, are against things like that to where we don't want to build people, more. I think what the people are against, they're, they're against spending their money to build it. Mm -hmm. I think I told you I was from Columbus, Ohio. When Columbus, Ohio got their soccer team, the crew, when they got their um, NHL hockey team, uh, the Blue Jackets, you know what they told the sports franchise? Matter of fact, they were from uh, uh, Dallas. The Hunt family, they said, we got the Ohio State Buckeyes. We can drive up the road to uh, Cleveland for uh, the the Browns or the Indians or the Cavaliers. We can drive down to Cincinnati in in, in a, uh, an hour. If you're going to build the stadium, it's your stadium. You build it. We're not going to spend the money to do it. This ideal around the country that the people have to spend it or 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 to finance it is hogwash. Mm. That's what I think people are against. They're yeah. not against having the franchise. No. They're against having to subsidize some billionaire that wants you to build his stadium for him. That's what they're against. Well, yeah, because it's it's happening. It's happened here, and and people are are upset at that. And that's that's some of the things that. You know, people there. are weary about, you know, I mean, when you start talking about the Oakland Raiders or, or you know, having the Raiders here or, you know, a professional football team, it's like, well, we don't want to pay for that. You know, and that's always been the thing. And I agree. And I agree. But that's Eric, because we didn't know any better. We thought everybody was doing that. We're in our little cocoon here in San Antonio. And we thought that's what everybody was doing. But I'm here to tell you, I just gave you the example of Columbus. Yeah. Everybody ain't doing that. That doesn't mean that we have to do it. 
But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it because that's the same thing like a tax abatement, which we talked about before. If it's going to bring jobs and notoriety here, maybe it might be something we have to look at. I'm not saying that we wouldn't look at it. I'm just saying that to those people that are saying they don't want to happen, they don't want it to happen. They're only saying they don't want to pay for it. They don't want to be the ones to pay for it. And I've talked to the Spurs about that as well. The AT&T Center is in D2. Mm -hmm. I would like to see an entertainment district built around there to make sure that we can have an entertainment district, you know, for our and I think that's where it should be. If we do that, then that means keeping the Spurs where they are. If we don't do anything around the AT&T Center, then surely the Spurs are going to leave District 2. And we don't want that to happen. But like, but what's going to happen to all the people that are living near there? That that That's going to cause their property rates to, to go even higher, and then they're going to be taxed out of their homes. So what do you say to those people then? Um, I think homes are the most important asset that an individual may ever own. They may not own stocks. They may not own bonds. They may not own anything else, but they own their house. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you want your house to appreciate? See, people. Uh, I mean, yeah, but (laughs) not if you're getting taxed out of your own home. You know what I mean? but But you can't have it both ways. If you don't want to pay more taxes, then that means that your house value is not going to go up. And that's what I tell people here in Lakeside. We're trying to make your house value go up because we want it. If you want to sell and you want to move to some places cheaper, you can do so. But we want to make your values of your property to go up. If your property of your values go up, you may have to pay a little bit more taxes. That's the only there's always going to be consequences cause and effect for different things that happen. But but I guess here's here's the problem though is when you look at that is when when you have either a city government or, or, or a county that's that's spending money where they shouldn't be or 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 being wasteful of the spending people don't want to pay that if if that money is not being used correctly and utilized correctly and that's where the, the a lot of times the government usually tends to screw things up with how they spend the money or, or, or using money in a wasteful spending habit. So that's the reason why, you know, if, if it was being utilized correctly, people would, would possibly be willing to pay more for taxes, but that's not the issue. That's not the case here. And it's been like that for years. So I, I don't, I don't really agree with that, with that statement. You know what I mean? Well, I've given, I've given all the reasons why I think I believe that, Individuals within District 2 will be in control. We're going to have neighborhoods. They make the decision. If they want something to go in their neighborhood, it's their choice. If their taxes are going to go up as a result of it and their value is going to go up on their house, that's their choice. This is not my idea, okay? I'm just saying you're going to have cause and effect. If you do this, that's going to happen. Now, when you come as far as with me as a council person, I'm going to do what they want. Okay. If that's what they want, that's fine. Now, sometimes some people may say, 
we don't want that development in our neighborhood. So they're going to sell their house, take their money and run. But the other person is going to say, we want what you're doing in the neighborhood. We're going to come. So again, cause and effect. So there's going to be some people that are going to want it. There are going to be some people who don't want it. But the majority of the people, I will do what they want. Okay. Gotcha. Well, that that's that's good. <laughs> um, so it, so real, one more topic here that I know it's a big issue, especially that's been talked about when, with D2 is the police department. Um, what what are you what are your positions on with the police department and and everything that's been talked about with as far as with the chapters and repealing and and you know is there a problem with with SAPD or with the union or with the leadership of the police department uh, there is a problem I think with the union the problem with the union is I think the same thing that I'm talking about now come talk to the people. Just come talk to us. We believe all of this can be worked out. But because some citizens went and got this on the ballot, that was hard work to do. I think they deserve their day on the ballot and let the citizens decide what there should be. When we talk about defund, People don't know what defund means. I'm not for defund to take all the money away from the police. Nobody's for that. I am for defund that says, hey, we want some medical units. I talked to you earlier about some of those homeless people that might have mental issues. They don't deserve it. In the back, giving a feces sandwich getting their job back, the guy who gave them the feces sandwich. How does the union explain that? The union, the police department, and the city have come to the community. We've talked to them. The only people that we haven't talked to has been SAPOA. Mm -hmm. We want SAPOA at the table because they're the ones who want to advocate for their office. I have a problem giving maybe everything that they want to their police officers. But we know that when we have militia that's mandated to keep the peace, I call the police, you call the police, everybody calls the police. But there needs to be some accountability and we want to know what they feel, what they're dealing with, and we want them to know what it is that we're dealing with. And I think if we all have the same information, we can all come to the same conclusion. Mm -hmm. But them saying, them, Sapoa saying they're not going to come to the table, that's a problem for me. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, and actually, I, I invited uh, Sapoa and Fix SAPD together to, to have an interview like like how we are doing right now together in the same place because I haven't seen it done anywhere. Um, I haven't seen both of those entities together in the same. So who's refusing? Um, nobody has refused actually. When is it gonna happen? I don't know. Uh, I, I reached out. I reached out back to Sopoa because they said they were willing to do it. 
Um, and but they haven't responded back. So um, as far as like time wise, so I'm I'm hoping that this hopefully will get done soon because nobody has done that. Everybody who's listening, let's <laughs> make this happen on yeah. Eric's show. Okay, Sapoa and SAP the groups. Eric. Eric. Oh, hello. Yeah, did I lose you? Uh, it, it broke up a little bit, but I, I heard you say um, everybody who's watching. Let's make that happen on your show. Yeah, and, and I have the capability to mute <laughs> people, so you know it won't be like the uh, presidential debates. Uh, it'll be basically controlled to where we have one person, you know, answer, and then the other one can rebuttal whatever it is. And be, but the, the the point is, is to be able to have the facts from both sides. Um, that's I think that's what's really important in to be able to say. Um, say their 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 speech in a space that is non-biased um and be able to kind of hopefully you know here's the thing if you have facts then your facts will speak truth when you speak with it and you'll be able to back up those facts with with i mean the facts should be facts right so you should be able to back it up with whatever you're speaking with so um you know, so I think both of those entities together in the same um, interview, because I've had people say, no, you should interview them separately. But that. that's the what? Oh, I, I can't hear you, Chris. I said, I'm willing to help you make that happen. Well, I want yeah, everybody. I want this thing to be bigger than the TV show. Oh, you, you broke up a little bit right there. Eric? Uh, hello? You're, Did I lose? It's just breaking apart a little bit. <laughs> um, but, uh, okay. yeah. I said, we want to make that happen on your show, and we want to make it bigger than a TV show. And and just just to be able to make sure we bring these facts to the community, because the that's the whole point of of this show is to just to be able to get to know more about your local election so still breaking uh, up oh yeah I, I i did hear you say that uh we should we should definitely make that happen um but uh but yeah definitely i i i think we need to have that conversation for sure to be able to make sure that we have the information for the people to be able to to know more about it and just be able to get the truth. Um, but, uh, but yeah, thank you, Chris. Can you hear me? Chris? Hello? Yes, I can. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, I can hear I, you. I can, I can, I can see you speaking, yeah, you but it's me? not like coming out. So. <laughs> My bad. Um, yeah, I don't know if wow. it's I don't know. Maybe they don't want us to do this. <laughs> but uh but yeah, so um but uh last question. Um what are some of your three favorite small business restaurants in D2? Ooh, um 
Uh, El Polo Asado is probably the first one. Mm. You familiar with them? It, yeah, isn't that the one that they do the uh, asada tacos? The are they the the food truck or the the actual restaurant? The actual restaurant. Oh, okay, okay. And um, man, there's a lot of places that I go. Uh, <laughs> I like uh, Tony G's, Mister Mrs G's, Apollo Asado, uh, Asada. Um, I did like Mrs. Kitchens, but they're they've left out a district too. No. Um, I like uh, the Fish Factory. I like uh, <laughs> I've got one I, I I take my grandfather to. He loves to go to Denny's, uh, <laughs> although, <laughs> it's a, although it's a uh, um, a chain. Yeah, he, yeah. He go there because he can. He can get everything he wants all day long. Right. So we, we, go, we go a lot. But uh, I love going to all the restaurants. Let me tell you one of the things that I would like to do. Uh, if you would like to meet with your councilman, Chris Dawkins, uh, I'm going to every so often go to one of those restaurants and let everybody know that I'm going to be at the restaurant. And they could come and meet me and talk to me there. Mm, That's a way that I want to support the local business. And it doesn't have to be just a restaurant. It could even be, you know, somebody who does something that they just want some uh, recognition for their businesses in district two. I want to give all the businesses a a chance to, to be able to showcase what it is that they do. And likely those businesses, once we come there, they'll probably uh, have sandwiches or uh, or tacos or uh, hors d'oeuvres or something, but you can come and talk to your councilman there and also learn about that business, that restaurant or whatever, which I think is really going to be great. I've, I'm really looking forward to hoping that we can do that. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And definitely support these small businesses. They definitely need it right now, especially. And um, yeah, it's always good. And I was kind of sad to hear about um, Mr. G um, yeah, you know, so, but yeah, definitely go try out those places and and reach out to to Chris. So, how can people get a hold of you? Volunteer, donate. Um, you can reach me at uh, call me direct. I'll give you my telephone number two one zero seven zero six zero zero five five. You can email me at Chris at vote. Chris Dawkins, D-A-W-K-I-N-S dot com. And you can go to my website at votechrisdawkins.com. I'm not totally proud of my website, but uh, you can uh, you can go there and we're we're working to try to make it better. It's uh, kind of difficult without the funds, but uh, we're trying to do the best we can. Definitely for sure. Um, all right, Chris. Well, any oh, last? Any, oh, yes, go. And if you want to send a donation, you can do so to P.O. Box two zero two zero one four. Let me let me type it in real quick. P.O. Box. It's uh, P.O. Box what? Two zero two zero one four 
and then seven eight two two zero. So I'm going to put that in the chat box. And Eric, what I tell people is that help is on the way. I'm Chris Dawkins, a candidate for San Antonio's District 2 race. And you'll be glad to know that help is on the way. Senior citizens, you have not had anyone to represent you at District 2 at the city level or the county level. But if you elect me, I will make sure that you're representative and help is on the way. Voters. We're going to have stronger neighborhoods. Neighborhoods working together is the first step to reducing crime in your neighborhood. So help is on the way. What is the city going to do to help alien schools? Nothing. But I will because help is on the way. We <laughs> want to create our own opportunities in District 2 and do for District 2 what others ask the city to do for them. Because it's going to be a new day, District 2, because help is on the way. So vote early and elect Chris Dawkins because say it, Eric. Nice. Yeah, definitely for sure. Make sure you go vote early. And I think uh like I said, um sorry. Uh uh early or the register last day to register to vote is April first. I believe. Um, so make sure you go register if you haven't already. Um, but also viewers, if you would also like to donate to my live stream as well, my cash apps down below, um, anything helps, that'd be great. Um, but just keep watching these. We have a, a full lineup this week, this week, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, um, and a couple of, uh, school board candidates. So make sure you, you listen in on those and, and ask those questions because a school board candidates also really matter, um, in a city, uh, or in anywhere. And, and there's a lot of more things that we don't realize that, that they do and that they affect, um, our schools and our, and our children. So make sure you stay tuned for those as well. Um, and just, keep doing your research on all the candidates as well. So, but thank you, Chris. I appreciate you for coming on. Um, thank you ever, everybody for, for joining in and, and listening to, to our, our conversations. And, and this is the best way to stay engaged. Um, but thank you guys for listening and you have an awesome day. Thank you, Eric. It's been thank great. You. Yes, sir. All right. Bye. Bye.